Chair, staff is ready when you are. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to the Monday, September 11th, 2020. Will the clerk please call the roll to establish a quorum? Thank you, Chair. Thank you, Vice Chair. Commissioner Sample? Present. Commissioner J. Johnson? Present. Commissioner Z. Johnson is currently absent. Uh, Vice Chair Bliss? Yes. Commissioner Carter Martinez is currently absent. Commissioner Buenrostro is currently absent. Commissioner Carter? Here. Commissioner Guerrero? Present. Commissioner Marion? Here. Commissioner Salazar is absent. And Commissioner Castillo Krings is absent. Uh, we have quorum. Oh, and my apologies. For the record, uh, Commissioner Z. Johnson has just arrived. Thank you, Clerk. I would like to remind members of the public and chambers that if you would like to speak on an agenda item, please turn in a speaker slip uh, when the item begins. For members of the public who wish to join virtually, uh, please refer to the agenda for the Zoom link. Once you have joined the meeting and wish to speak, uh, you may hit the raise your hand option to provide public comment when the chair confirms the public comment spe uh, speaking period for the desired item. Um, and if you are calling in via telephone uh, to raise a hand, you can dial uh, star nine and then to unmute or mute, dial star six. Speakers will be called on by the last four digits of their phone number. Um, and I believe we will, oh, uh, I will also name that uh, to provide greater community participation in our commission's work, we will also allow more time for members of the public to give comments and we'll ask the clerk to keep the queue open until the last speaker has concluded their comments. For matters not on the agenda, you, uh, you will have five minutes to speak once you are called upon. And for matters listed on the agenda, you will have three minutes to speak once you are called upon. We will also be adjusting the order of our agenda to hear matters not on the agenda first, followed by the uh, consent calendar. And we will now proceed with today's agenda. Please rise for the opening acknowledgments in honor of Sacramento's indigenous people and tribal lands. To the people, to the original people of the land, the Nisanan people, the Southern Maidu Valley and Plain Miwok people, the Petlin Windu peoples, and the people of the Wilton Rancheria, Sacramento's only federally recognized tribe, may we recognize and honor the native people who once came, who came before us and will walk beside us today on these ancestral lands by choosing to gather together today in the active practice of acknowledgement and appreciation for Sacramento's indigenous people's history. Contributions and lives, thank you. Please remain standing for the Pledge of Allegiance. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the Republic for which it stands, one nation under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Thank you, everyone. Our first business today is public comments matters not on the agenda. As a reminder for the public, you will have five minutes to speak on this item. Clerk, are there a member, any members of the public who wish to speak on, pub, on matters not on the agenda? Thank you, Chair. I have no speaker slips from those in chambers and I have no hands raised online.
Thank you, Clerk. Our second business today then is approval of the consent calendar. Clerk, are there any members of the public who wish to speak on matters uh, on the consent calendar? Thank you, Vice Chair. I have no speaker slips and I have no hands raised online. Thank you. Are there any commissioners who wish to speak on uh, the consent calendar, uh, the commission meeting minutes from last month? I see Commissioner Buenrostro and uh, Commissioner Guerrero. Go ahead, Commissioner. Oh, hi. Um, so, as I was reviewing the, the meeting minutes, I, I would just like to make um, a proposal to add to the minutes under discussion calendar item two. I think it's important to note um, that the commission had a had a discussion, but there was no representative from the Sacramento Police Department present. And the commissioners expressed, many commissioners expressed the desire to have the police department present for these discussions. Thank you, Commissioner. And uh, if there is a need for a second on that motion, I would second. Uh, Commissioner Galeo. In reviewing the minutes, um, I was noticing under Commissioner comments, ideas, and questions um, that it has a generic comment. Members of the commission provided comments, and I don't, I don't honestly, I don't recall um, in the section. But I think moving forward, I'd like to request that um, if we have items to be placed on the agenda for the next agenda or questions, that they be included, because for me, this would serve as a reminder of what we requested on the a log. Um, and uh, if we ask for something to be placed on the agenda, and the reason I, I ask if this is possible is because there have been times in the past where I know I've made requests to add something to the log and it's not there. And so it's really important um, as a record to show that the requests are there. They don't have to be detailed, but I think that it's important to include those there. So we don't, I, I'm not asking to go backwards, but I'm moving forward. I really appreciate that, uh, those items being listed there. Jacob Redberg, City Clerk's Office. Thank you. I'll bring that to the uh, uh, City Clerk. Uh, I do know the way that that member comments are notated um, in the minutes also matches all other boards and commissions as well as City Council. Um, but I will bring that up to uh, Ms. Guppy. Thank you very much. Thank you, Commissioner Guerrero. And um, I uh, wholeheartedly agree with that and I hope that we can actually get that on there. I've noticed um, at least a few commissions that do include uh, uh, like more additional items and detail when it comes to their agenda minutes. And given the uh, special role that the Police Review Commission um, has been noted to, uh, noted to perform, I think that would be really important to make sure that we are ca capturing all of those and uh, would help clear up a lot of confusion that comes from the, uh, from the law. So thank you for that. Are there any other commissioners uh, who wish to comment on the consent calendar? I see no hands, so uh, clerk, if you please call the roll. Thank you, Vice Chair. Just to clarify, it, the item was moved by Commissioner Buenrostro and seconded by Vice Chair Bliss. Um, oh, quick clarification too. Was that in, uh, 
As amended, yes. Okay, as amended. Thank you. Okay. Um, Commissioner Sample. Yes. Commissioner J. Johnson. Yes. Commissioner Z. Johnson. Yes. Vice Chair Bliss. Yes. Commissioner Carter Martinez is absent. Commissioner Buenrostro. Yes. Commissioner Guerrero. Yes. Oh, Commissioner Carter. Commissioner Marion. Commissioner Salazar is absent, and Chair Castillo-Krings is currently absent. Uh, thank you, the motion passes. Thank you, Clerk. Uh, we will now proceed to the discussion calendar. Um, the first order of business on discussion is item two, the Office of Public Safety Accountability's 2020 through 2023 quarter and annual reports overview of police complaint classifications and allegations, trends and policy recommendations. Is there a staff presentation available? I do have uh, Letitia Watson online. Promoting her to panelists now. Good evening, Vice Chair and Commission. I was supposed to receive some information for questions that you all had, but um, our chair advised by phone that that information hadn't been able to be provided. She said the Vice Chair may have questions. Yes, and I do have uh, access to some of those questions uh, from the chair and wanna invite other commissioners who have reviewed the complaint activity reports to um, raise their questions as well. Um, one question that we had was regarding the complaint activities was, uh, the pro was related to the process. Uh, once recommendations are issued, uh, which you have made a number of recommendations, um, both most recently and over the years, what are the next steps? And how does your office work with the police department to get them adopted? Okay, um, that's a, a good question. Um, as I explained to um, the chair and to, to you as well in our meeting um, a few weeks ago, I am hoping um, that the recommendations uh, from our audit um, will be implemented in a timely fashion. I will know more information after tomorrow. Um, we are, are currently scheduled to attend um, the city council meeting on tomorrow. Um, the police department is scheduled to bring back, they were directed to bring back a timeline of how long it would take to implement the recommendations from the audit. So more information should come in reference to that. But as far as recommendations from OPSA, um, the recommendations again are just recommendations and with the audit, um, the police department was directed to implement all of those recommendations. So the audit is a little bit different, uh, but our normal recommendations, some of them uh, from the previous years for as long as I've been here, um, have been included at the uh, end of the annual report, and they are very similar to some of the recommendations that were included in the audit. So I hope to have a timeline um, after tomorrow. Thanks for letting us know. Are, to your, to Opes' knowledge, have 
any of the recommendations that were submitted during the annual complaint activity reports um, have been implemented or have you um, been given the opportunity to review any efforts to implement those recommendations? No, what I'll say is, is that one of the uh, consistent recommendations was to uh, develop and implement a standalone um, search and seizure policy. That is a, a replicate or a um, redundant recommendation and it is a part of the audit. And so I anticipate having more information on how long it'll take to implement that actual recommendation. But that was included in the previous two year annual reports from OPSA. Thank you, Dr. Watson. Um, one of the reasons that, we're asked, that we asked you here today to isn't just to help us help the commission in, uh, become informed about the process and where things stand currently with uh, your work in uh, reviewing and investigating complaints against the police department, but also um, for the public to be able to understand how this process works, as well as to highlight any uh, trends that you were noticing. So to that end, I'm curious to know what are the trends you've seen in the complaints when it comes to discourtesy? This, um, again, this information um, is a little late, but I think that I have something for you that I pulled together since I spoke with um, the chair, and I'm going to share my screen so that all of the commission is able to see what I'm talking about. Um, are you able to see that right now, uh, Vice Chair? Yes, we can see it. It's in a, a PowerPoint format if you uh, want to put it in presentation. Here you go. Okay, so this just gives you some highlights. Um, I try to, from what the information I received from our chair, I try to get you some information that you could utilize um, in reference to what it is that you all are doing with your 2023 work plan. So looking at the work plan, you all are really focused on accountability. So I put some highlights here for 2023. Now, as you know, and you're aware, um, our data comes out very late. Um, it takes a lot of time to accumulate and verify and check all of the data that we go through to make sure that every complaint and then every allegation that's included in each complaint is accurate. And so for 2023, Quarter two. Quarter two is going to be um, April, May, and June of this year. So it gives you how many total complaints there were. Those, there were 118 allegations of misconduct. 20 of them were sustained. And what's important to your work plan is what I included here. The top issues or the top um, allegations of misconduct, neglect of duty, service, improper, improper search and seizure, which is something OPSA has been focusing on with the police department. For this, for this particular um, quarterly report, those are the top. And I know that service is something you all are planning on looking at in, in detail. And then it shows you just what OPSA does as far as how many of those allegations in this quarter two that OPSA reviewed, and then how many investigations were sent back as well. And then when you go backwards, well, this just gives you a visual representation of the, you see the allegations along the left-hand side, and then this just shows you what was sustained, not sustained, unfounded, and exonerated. That's a visual representation of what I just 
talked about. And you see how low the numbers are, and that's because we're looking at the quarterly report. So that's only three months of information. And then this is quarter one. That includes January, February, and March. And there were more complaints for the first quarter of this year. So uh, 71 total complaints with 180 allegations. When you go down to that third uh, bullet, improper search and seizure, service again, and discourtesy, were the largest portion of the misconduct allegations. And then there is your visual representation of those allegations. Now I included this because this is the police complaint classifications and allegations. And when you look at your work plan, the most important um, ones that I found that relate to it is service, it's all the way at the bottom, and discourtesy, because that is what your work plan is saying that you all want to focus on, or as one of the aspects, because you have more than just accountability on your work plan and organizational culture. So this speaks to it. For 2022, I went and looked at the annual report. For conduct on becoming, it's 59. Discourtesy is 76 and service is 146. And I have that asterisk there because that is the second highest allegation for the entire year of 2022. But down at the bottom, I provided information where improper search and seizure was 198 total. Service was second with 146. Discourtesy is 76. As far as the total for the entire year for allegations of misconduct. Twenty twenty one. Those are the top three allegations that relate to what your work plan is looking at. Service ended up being not as high as twenty twenty two. But you see where improper search and seizure was one twenty eight for the total year of twenty twenty one, which is another reason as to why we did the audit. The neglect of duty was one hundred and thirteen. But discourtesy was 84 and service was 81. So they were pretty close for 2021 as far as allegations of misconduct. And it's very much so related to what you all are looking at with the SPD culture and accountability. And the last year you asked for was for 2020. Still consistent. Service is, is very high year after year. So service was 155 total allegations. Neglect of duty was 131. Force was 87. So she, uh, our chair hasn't provided um, more information as far as how you all are trying to um, go in depth into the uh, SPD accountability and organizational culture. But just from looking at the numbers from 2020 um, to the first two quarters of 2023, um, it is definitely consistent um, that our public continues to um, allege uh, misconduct in relations to service and discourtesy. And then I'll stop there, uh, Vice Chair, in case something came to uh, to mind as you were looking at the the brief data I was able to to pull together for you in the last few hours. Thank you, Dr. Watson. Uh, 
really appreciate you presenting this for us so that we can really uh, have a visual to better understand, not just for us, but also the public can, uh, can see what are the their top complaints that uh, their fellow community members are lodging against the, of the police department. Um, yes, the second half of this year uh, for newer folks on the commission who uh, weren't here for the uh, when we approved the work plan, um, the second half of this year we're going to be examining organizational culture and accountability. Um, and a lot of these, these complaint activity reports, which are all available, um, I believe, on OPS's website, correct me if I'm wrong, Dr. Watson, um, and they're available in um, our previous meeting archive uh, for you all to review. But uh, this, this staff report that was provided gives you a good glimpse from 2020 through 2023, and it's really important. And uh, just from the trends that I'm seeing right here, I mean, as, as Dr. Watson eloquently stated, service and uh, discourtesy remain the highest uh, forms of complaints out, uh, alleged against uh, the Sacramento Police Department. So I have a couple more questions at least. Um, there is a difference between behavior that is egregious enough to require disciplinary action, but what I'm focused on is how people engage with po the police department. Uh, do, and based on the complaints that have been recorded, do they feel respect and heard, or et cetera, based on your experience as a law enforcement officer? I'm curious to know what you have seen work to improve customer service. Um, yeah, I guess we'll start from there. Okay, sure. Um, what, what I'll say is, is that the, the good thing is, is that the city is transitioning to a, a, a more, um, I would say, uh, enhanced website. Um, and it's gonna allow um, OPS as well as some of the other departments to share much more information and, and to be uh, easier to to uh, access as well. So we're in the position right now of uh, some of my staff training in order to develop how uh, we want the layout for our reports. And so I'll ensure that old reports prior to me taking over the office is available uh, to the public, but, but the quarterly reports, the end reports, all audits that uh, the audit that OPSA did and any audits and inspections that we uh, that I plan uh, to do moving forward for fire and police will also be on the new website. So it'll just take a little bit more time for staff to uh, continue to get the training to start uh, transitioning the data from the old website to the new website. And then um, you talked about the work plan and what you all are, are wanting to look at the second half of the year. And I'm glad that you uh, titled it organizational culture, because when you talk about service and you talk about uh, discourtesy and a lot of the, the public complaints that, that we hear, um, a lot of the venting that we listen to about how people feel like um, they were not heard or uh, they didn't believe that the, the service interaction was satisfactory is based on the culture. And when you are able to change organizational culture to ensuring that the mindset is truly public safety and um, the willingness to, to want to help people um, in their time of crisis. Because most times police officers, they only uh, have to deal with individuals who are, who are experiencing something very traumatic in, in their life. People just don't call the police just because they wanna see the police. Um, so there's definitely going to have to be a transition in culture within SPD for the commission, for uh, the Office of Public Safety Accountability, for the city, 
for um, the chief of police or, you know, even our general public to, to start seeing what they want to see with every single interaction um, that police have with the public. Um, police have a, a very difficult uh, job. I've, I've um, been in the field and I, I've been um, on the sworn side for more than 25 years. And I know that it's getting more and more complex because of the few doing things um, that are just um, ridiculous. Um, so what I'd say is, is that it takes time, but if you start making incremental steps in order to ensure that the culture meets the expectations of the public, it can be done. And that's something that um, OPSA, and I know the commission will work toward uh, ensuring that this is, is a priority. And I believe that the improper search and seizure audit was a, a step forward because it's still showing that we're having an issue with trust in the most marginalized areas of Sacramento in regards to public safety. And if we are not ensuring that we're not violating their rights when we interact with them, there's no way that we can rebuild the trust there that's necessary to have a good uh, relationship between the police and the public. Thank you, Dr. Watson. Um, I'm curious to know based on what you've seen so far, and I see actually some, several commissioners uh, with questions additional, so I'll hold, uh, I have a couple of additional questions, but I'll uh, hold for other commissioners. Um, Commissioner Marion. Thank you, Vice Chair. Dr. Watson, I was just curious to see how these numbers compare to other metropolitan areas within the state of California. Oh, that's a good question, uh, Commissioner Marion. Um, that is something uh, that I don't know. Um, that's something I'll write down so I can bring some information back to you. I've looked at uh, Long Beach um, Police Accountability um, Office. I've looked at BART. Um, I've looked at even San Francisco, but it's not as far as what they're experiencing with their allegations of misconduct, but I'm looking at... Uh, some of their best practices and how to transition the office into uh, doing more and being more transparent with what's going on. So that's a good question. I have not looked at that. That's something that, that I'll have to make sure that I, I look at to see if I can bring you back some information about what they're experiencing with, with their officers versus what type of organizational culture that they have in their organizations. Because that, that is definitely a good question. I, I've looked at Stockton and Stockton uh, utilized the um, U.S. Department of Justice in order to um, get involved in uh, reconciliation work because they had a very, very uh, torn relationship with their community. And so um, it'll be interesting uh, to see if they even have an Office of Public Safety Accountability or any type of Office of Accountability to see if that work that they've done continues to keep the, the relationship uh, strong between them and their, their community because they, they did a lot of work and uh, there's a lot of research out there with what they've done, but I wonder if it was if it's sustainable, and, and if it still holds to, especially the relationship in their less marginalized areas. Understood. Thank you, Commissioner Guerrero. Thank you, Dr. Watson. Uh, pleasure seeing you. It's been a minute. Um, I wanted to just make sure that I'm looking at the right documents. I went on on the website, um, OPSA's website, and I see, of course, the most recent quarterly um, report is quarter one in um, 2023 and then I see that the most recent 
posted annual report is 2021. So um, the information that you're sharing, um, that we're sharing on the screen seems more updated. So just, just for clarity for me, did you just pull this kind of together for this meeting um, and the 22, 2022 re annual report isn't out yet or am I missing something just? No, no, you're right. The 2022 annual report um, was sent to the city attorney's office for a review and approval. And it should, I would tell you that my, my goal is for uh, the previous year's report to, com to be completed between April and I would say the end of May, but because of the issues with data and, and uh, the correct uh, forms, according to policy not being provided, uh, it takes a long time to, to um, reconcile and make sure that every allegation and every complaint is listed on both sides. So um, you're right, I had to pull the 2022 information from what I sent for review to city attorney's office. So Perfect. no, that's accurate. And then the 2023 quarter two report has been out. But Perfect. Your, your website is not gonna give you everything because of us moving information from the old to the new. Understood, thank you very much. Well, I really appreciate the um, you pulling that information. I wanted to go back if, or just uh -huh. ask, so the 2021 report includes a number of recommendations that I think a couple of that overlap with uh, the police commission recommendations. And so I was just wondering, um, how, how are these reconciled? So for example, you have, I don't know, I wanna say a little bit over about a dozen recommendations in 2021. Um, do you kind of close them out and say, hey, you know, in this case, you know, the city, the police department implemented or didn't? Because um, I think that there's some really good stuff in 2021. I look forward to 2022, of course, and you've given us a preview. But um, even for, for that report, I would imagine that there's recommendations. Um, so how do you close out and um, kind of report to the public or somehow whether a recommendation was followed or not? Well, that's a, that's a very good um, observation. Um, what I would tell you is, is that um, we work a lot now with the city auditor's office. And so um, we're hoping tomorrow that we are approved for additional staffing because what I would like to adopt is a, um, there is a database that the city uh, auditor's office uses to track um, when um, recommendations are um, implemented or when there's any um, amount of action that's been taken. And so the only uh, departments that we would have to track would be uh, the Sacramento Fire Department, the Police Department. And then also we track uh, human resources as well because sometimes they take over uh, misconduct allegation um, investigations specifically for fire or they're related to EEO investigations. But anything related to public safety um, the Office of Public Safety Accountability has to have that information. So we do have some recommendations from the 2021 uh, annual report for them as well, because we want to start ensuring that our data is, is the most accurate. And um, since I've been here in 2020, I've changed a lot of things because um, that's one of the problems that we have is, is not being provided the necessary information that we should have been provided. Um, so that is moving forward something right now is not uh, very many to keep up with, but I have a feeling that they will continue to increase as each uh, year goes by. So we will definitely need a database and start tracking that just like the, the city auditor's office. So we'll move toward that. Um, but as far as um, when vice chair asked, we hadn't had anything 
uh, that has been uh, worked on as far as implemented until now uh, where uh, the the uh, audit went public and the public presentation to mayor and council uh, the police department was directed that each uh, recommendation would be implemented and so we should have already um, the way the vice chair and chair wanted it was for us to uh, physically uh, come to the commission meeting and provide all the information resulting uh, from uh, the direction from council and this uh, meeting that's scheduled for tomorrow was delayed we should have already had that information so that today uh, we would have had much more uh, detailed updates we just don't have it yet but the plan is for your next meeting for us to have all of the information that results from tomorrow night um, to provide the commission and, and the public um, who attends um, where we go from here because it is going to be new and nothing uh, from uh, OPSA has been actually um, implemented up to up to this point. Thank you very much, uh, Director Watson. I, I really do look forward to um, you know future information that, as you said, you know tracks the recommendations and whether they're implemented or not. And as you may know, that's what we're trying to do with um, our recommendations as well. Um, and certainly, we have our audit with uh, the auditor's office and. <laughs> We're hoping that they help us ensure that uh, that we track whether these uh, recommendations are implemented or not. So thank you so much for your work, and good to see you. No problem. Good to see you, too. I see Commissioner uh, Z. Johnson. Okay. Thank you, Mr. Chair. Because uh, you know, part of my question has already gotten answered, but um, clearly where, where these these types of, of, of adverse, if you will, or unpleasant interactions between police and community have con been con <clears throat> occurring consistently. As a part of, of uh, your report, uh, report uh, Dr. Watson, and or be it by the, uh, the uh, city manager's office, you know, on who's, who's truly looking at it and, ma and making adjustments year by year. If, if there's a need to adjust in the training program and, and regimen that's in place. The academy, the academy my understanding is the academy uh, training program in all aspects is already very, pretty consistently laid out and executed, you know, class by class. But given the fact that there's this history, I'm just interested in where and when has the attention been paid to making adjustments in some of the courses to be able to reflect better customer service? Very much so. Uh, great question, Commissioner Johnson. Um, what, I would, what I would say to, to your, your question is, is, and I'm, I'm just basing it off my opinion. What I'll tell you is, is that there have been a lot of limitations to, to OPSA. And OPSA, since it's, um, establishment has never looked at every um, allegation of misconduct or every complaint. Um, OPSA was established, but the resources um, were not uh, provided in order to make sure that everything is looked at. That way you're able to um, key in on any type of patterns or trends and start uh, looking or delving into it to determine what they need to do as far as the fire department or the police department to make improvements moving forward. And so um, 
that's one of the limitations I would I would say in what when I uh, made that presentation uh, to mayor and council is is that it only went back two years, but I just so happened to continue to to uh, see uh, issues with improper search and seizure and even um, listen to a lot of yelling and cursing from um, community members calling into the office, and it made me. Um, say that, that an audit is necessary to um, determine if it was just um, standalone uh, incidents or if it was an actual systematic issue. And although um, the, there are all these complaints and allegations, my office has not looked at all of them. So I, I don't have, um, I would say, detailed information about what it is that has been complained about. And that's one of the reasons why um, I was directed to come back to council in which it's scheduled for tomorrow uh, to say what it will take um, as far as um, the capacity of OSA to look at every single thing that comes in on the police department so that we can better um, be in a better position uh, to provide the city manager and the chiefs of uh, the chief of police for um, Sacramento and the, the fire chief on where their deficiencies and then what our recommendations are for them to implement in order to start correcting those deficiencies. So we're we're behind the curve. Uh, I'll be very honest with you. Um, and we need to do whatever is necessary for us to to really uh, affect change and service discourtesy. Now I was told that that the chief of police uh, noticed and that that is something that's on her radar as far as how she's prioritizing that. I'm not sure that's something that. Uh, she will need to to answer as to how she's addressing that in the police department. But I know that we are falling short and we're not looking at those. That That's why I can't provide uh, you detailed information about what is behind all of these allegations of misconduct. Okay, well, you just answered my second question, <laughs> which was, which was you know, if looking at the increase in statistics, did, was there anything that popped out that, that said it really centers around these three or these five actions, particular actions, you know, on because then then that gives you the target for for your training. Uh, but it also then lead, leads into uh, my my third and last question, uh, which is which is the issue of discipline. Who tracks it? How is it consistent across the board, uh, uh, with regardless of rank and position uh, on it, and whether you're certified or non-certified officers? Yeah. Very good question. I, I would have to say that um, the police chief and her staff would track it when they established OPSA. Um, once we get, let me go back, anytime there's an allegation of misconduct, um, how it moves forward is, is that the investigation completed by the fire department or the police department um, all of the information is received from my office. It gets assigned to someone in my office, and we have to agree um, with what the disposition is associated with all the evidence in that particular case file. Once we are in agreement that, yes, this is sustained or not sustained or whichever the disposition is, the authority of OSA ends. Hmm. It's out of our hands. So when you talk about discipline and how it's being handled, managed, uh, distributed, we have no authority and I don't have any information as far as that. Um, so we would, I would say the conviction, you know, when you're talking about having a, a conversation about discipline, 
it would have to be um, SPD or the city manager and or uh, his designee uh, because we're out of the loop with that because they did not uh, give us any authority in relation to, to disciplinary action mm -hmm. with either the fire department or the police department. Okay. That's what I thought. And that's, that's why I said and you and or the city administration, you know, on it. Because related to even an earlier meeting when we had a, a presentation, I guess part part of my question and, and my background, part of my background at least is in, in human resources and as well as in police management, uh, is how how what is the consistency between and role of of the, the city HR department versus what's happening inside of the police department? <laughs> Definitely, and I do know. Um, just from, I, I came and to officially took position in uh, the 1st of June of 2020 here. Um, so I do know that they have a, um, a combined process when they start looking at discipline um, with human resources, labor relations in relations to both public safety departments and how they work together uh, for the actual um, case to determine what the discipline uh, will be and how that discipline uh, is handed down. Um, but I'm not a part of any of those conversations because of how uh, the resolution was established for uh, the director for OSA, where I have no jurisdiction, no authority to, to even be privy to that information. Okay. If, I may, if I may just add, um, in response to both of your questions, I know that the line of communication is open between OPSA and the police department, and if OPSA spots a trend, um, I know the chief is open to, and her command staff is open to hearing from OPSA what trends they are spotting. They are also, the Internal Affairs Division and her command staff are also looking for those kinds of trends, and they do adjust their training curriculum, if you will, to address those trends. And I think that's probably some of the things that we can delve into when we get into the second part of, of, the, of the work plan uh, going forward. Uh, HR does work alongside with PD as well to track you know, discipline level and to make sure that we're being consistent across the board. I know in examples that I've seen, whenever a level of discipline is, is gonna be administered, that's one of the things that you look at. What was done in the past, is this consistent with how we've handled that in the past so that we're being, um, you know, consistent in, in how the level of discipline is applied. So, uh, you know, I just share that with you as addition. Okay, thank you. Commissioner Goodell. Commissioner Johnson, you brought up an opportunity that I could not pass by. I'm, I don't want to say a dog with a bone, but I can't think of something else, something I'll say it, but you know, it would be nice to have a SAC PD representative here that could answer questions um, uh, regarding SAC PD. That's mm -hmm. fully within their scope. And until we have that, I don't know that um, we can truly work in good partnership and create any really good products because um, they're integral. The information they provide um, is integral to us moving forward. You know, the commission has been wrong in the past when we've uh, recommended uh, changes that were already in place, and that's because we just simply didn't have good enough communication. Um, you can also argue that it worked well enough at some point where we said, okay, it's just not clear. Just make it clear to the public, right? All these recommendations, but... Um, you know, with this kind of report, it is important to have SACPD here to say, okay, you know, this is a pattern. This has been consistent. It's not new. What are you doing different? And that's key because um, 
you know, we could do the same old thing, and that's clearly not addressing the issues, right? So I, I just, an opportunity to remind us that, um, I, and I hope you're each reaching out to your um, appointing member that it is really, I'm gonna say embarrassing not to have our partner here with us working. And we need to continue to say that. I know I've reached out to every, uh, well, not every, I would say a majority of the council members via phone call or a text. I may have contacted one of your appointees. I'm just like, I don't know if, you know, we can't communicate on all issues, the Brown Act, and I'm like, I'm gonna tell them. And um, we still don't have the rep here. So I think it's, it's pretty embarrassing and I hope that it's rectified at some point. Oh, and I didn't know if I was gonna say this, but I'm gonna say it. And you know, what I heard that the issue is, and I've known for some time, but I wanted to be, I don't know, come off as a good partner, and not just come off, but really being a good partner. I hear that the issue is they're not happy with some of the commissioners up here. You don't have to be happy with the commissioners up here. We don't have, we don't have to be friends, um, you know, with each other to, to do good work. We were put here to represent the people and to communicate with SACPD to come up with good recommendations. And we can't do that without SACPD here. And if the reason you're not here is because you're upset at a commissioner, um, you're an adult, you are paid a fine salary, we are not, and we have, we're here. I, I told my fellow Commissioner Carter here, every day that I come here, I just think one more time, this is important work. I wanna say that first, and that's why I'm here. But it's getting harder and harder to come to this meeting when I have an 18-month-old daughter that I don't spend enough time with. And the work that we're doing here feels like it's BS at this point. I can't say it any other way. So I'll continue to show up, but it's, uh, I hope we're communicating with our appointees. This continues to be exceedingly embarrassing. We should be embarrassed. Uh, SAC PD should be embarrassed. The city council should be embarrassed. And I'm gonna take every single opportunity that I sit here and that this issue comes up to say it. And I, I hope I don't bore you with it. And I hope it's not insulting to you, but it is really just a shame. So thank you. <laughs> Sorry, getting off my soapbox. I couldn't have said it better. Uh, Commissioner Guerrero, and uh, I wanna, just want to note that I asked that particular question um, in, uh, in certain language at the end of last meeting because uh, uh, for many of you, uh, if you were watching last Tuesday uh, when the council was discussing the uh, police department's military equipment use policy, um, it was misrepresented that the department was working collaboratively, which we had collaborative conversations with um, at least one officer um, uh, from the department and uh, the assistant city manager as well. But as part of like the culture as a whole and uh, the like and the department as a whole, it completely misrepresented uh, the collaboration that we've had when it comes to conversations around the military equipment use policy. And in the end, we were not even included uh, in the overall presentation. And it would, took one of the council members themselves to point out that uh, they wanted to hear from us, which is why this is how our chair uh, was able to present as long as she was uh, about the nine recommendations that came out from that. Um, and the question I posed to council members at the end of it was, 
how do we as a commission work collaboratively with the police department when they're not even required to attend our monthly meetings and highlighted the letter? We're still waiting for a response. I haven't gotten one. If anybody else has, I think it's important that um, we re-forward it and ask our council members uh, directly, each of us as individuals. Feel free to CC uh, the chair and I in that conversation. And let's keep pressing that because at this point it's, there, it's on them. Um, but I had a question uh, that came up based on uh, what my fellow commissioners had brought up and wanted to note that, uh, Dr. Watson, you mentioned that uh, the police department will be, um, you, you'll be presenting your, um, you know, getting updates on the audit and uh, the police department's response. And I noted uh, from the staff report that PD is going to be requesting four additional full-time equivalent hours positions, uh, totaling $594,000 per year to bring uh, their search and seizure policies and I imagine other policies into compliance uh, with your audit. Um, so I'm curious to know uh, how many staff positions is OPSA currently budgeted for in fiscal year 23-24 and how many are currently filled? All positions in OPSA are currently filled. The last um, uh, individual was um, an attorney uh, hired out of Kentucky who was originally from Sacramento. She's been on board a little over two months. Um, so OPSA was um, established and, and it was uh, restructured under mayor and council uh, for the resolution in 2016. So it was four positions, including myself. And then in 2020, after uh, the, the death of uh, George Floyd and uh, that killing, um, one position was added for an inspector general. Um, so we were directed from the June 20th meeting um, because I, I talked about the limitations of the audit because of capacity and I still um, not being able to review um, all of the allegations of misconduct for police. Um, they told me to come back with what will it take to have a fully functioning uh, Office of Public Safety Accountability. Um, the police department was directed to come back uh, with a timeline um, for implementing the recommendations within the audit. But um, the agenda item that you see for tomorrow um, is staffing not just for OPSA, but for uh, the police department as well as the city attorney's office. And we are, um, as far as OPSA, is asking for uh, the most staff, which is a total of six positions. Got you. I appreciate that clarification to you. So you're asking, so you'll be asking for six more positions um, uh, for OPSA as well as these four additional positions for the police department. Um, well, oh, and the police department will ask for staffing um, once they have provided a follow-up to their timeline of implementing the recommendations for the audit. Uh, but OPSA will be asking for uh, six positions in, in, a, in, able, uh, in order to uh, make sure that all uh, allegations of misconduct and complaints are reviewed, um, as well as audits and inspections uh, completed, enough staff to complete uh, for the police department and there are inspections and audits that need to be completed for the fire department as well. I appreciate that. Um, I. Uh, to your recommendations, uh, specifically when it comes to bringing uh, the search and seizure policies into compliance, 
were any of your recommendations, uh, did any of your recommendations recommend or consider the need for additional staffing in order for the department to reach compliance? For your, are you specifically talking about for SPD? Yes, for SPD. No, no. Okay. I, I think that's really important to note given that during the last budget cycle, we learned that uh, the police department has no less than 100 uh, vacant, vacant positions uh, in its but like that it is budgeted for. And it talked a lot about, uh, like one of the things that it tried to note was that uh, I believe it, they cut upwards of 25 positions, but those are FTE positions. Uh, many of which uh, by my analysis uh, was were half, were worth uh, 0.5 FTEs, which anybody that uh, doesn't understand what FTEs are, those are all full body positions. A, a human being has to occupy those, meaning that it didn't actually cut that many, like that many human positions. It still has actually upwards of over, still over 100 vacant positions. So these additional positions that the department is requesting in order to come into compliance and be able to respect Sacramento community members' Fourth Amendment rights is, like, is what they're essentially asking for. They're asking for four additional positions when they have a, a hundred more positions that they still have yet to fill. So I think that's important to note. Um, I had a quick, like, I, I, actually, I will, I'll pass because uh, I see other uh, commissioners in the queue. So uh, Commissioner Carter. <laughs> oh, go ahead. Sure. Okay. Mr. Z. Johnson, you had asked um, Dr. Watson a question pretty much uh, regarding training and if we're having all these complaints in certain areas, what, if anything, is SACPD doing to correct that situation? when uh, use of force ordinance was finally passed um, in Sacramento and also the statute, I asked SAG PD what if any changes in their curriculum in the academy was being made to come into compliance with the use of force law as far as the statute. Um, and I didn't get an answer. So that's the answer to your question. So far the commission has not yet received any answer on any training that is being implemented in the academy and if any changes within since the attorney general published its report. So the report came out, they made a bunch of recommendations regarding the training, the statute was passed re regarding the standard and I asked from this uh, bench, what are you doing now that the statute has been passed what changes are you doing in the academy? And we have not received an answer. So. Thank you, Commissioner. Uh, Commissioner Brian Wilshaw. I'll, I'll try to be quick. And I mean, I'm just, I just want to echo again what Commissioner Guerrero um, mentioned about the lack of presence for the police department. And I just want to elevate that um, it's, it's also a missed opportunity for the police department to be able to inform us uh, so that we can be partners and answer questions from the community. So as we look at this report and we look at 
the incidents, the, 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 the number of incidents. We don't have answers about what initiatives might be undertaken. Uh, we don't have a response about uh, what, what might be something that we can tell the community about next steps that are being taken because we don't have that response right now. We don't have somebody that can answer questions about the report from that, um, from that, from, the, from an implementation standpoint. So I just want to echo that again and just say that it's, it's, not, it's not just that we want them here, it's that we also want to be true partners and helpful, and we can't be helpful if we're not able to have information that can go back to our council members or go back to the public. Um, and it's, again, it's a missed opportunity. Thank you, Commissioner. Uh, Chair Castillo-Krings. I apologize for being for being late today. I got stuck at work and was not able to make it earlier. Um, Director and Dr. Watson, thank you so much for providing some some of this information. I had a quick question that I'd like a little more clarification on. Sure. When when we look at not to, so there's there's four different categories in the actual report. There's exonerated, not sustained, sustained, and unfounded. And there are definitions for each of them where unfounded is basically to be that there's not merit, it was a frivolous complaint, there's nothing there. But there is, seems to be a difference. And exonerated is also pretty well, I'm sorry, I just lost. Exonerated is that the investigation clearly establishes that the alleged act occurred and was justified. But there seems to be a bit of a nuance between sustained and not sustained. And I'm really trying to understand what that nuance is. Because in my mind, and this is where I would like for, for you to kind of help me understand, there should just be three categories, not sustained, exonerated, or unfounded. So what, what is captured by not sustained? Like what kind of evidence are you looking at? Okay. Um when you just said that it should be only three categories, I have to tell you that the sustained category is needed because one of the commissioners just asked me information about disciplinary action. That's where you get your sustained from. That's where you get your disciplinary action from, any disposition that is sustained. So sustained is, is what dictates disciplinary action because it is determined that the uh, public safety employee did something wrong. Where, you, where we have a battle at all the time is unfounded and not sustained. One of the things that OPSA needs to do is, is that an audit must be performed with the sustained, with the unfounded allegation for the fire department and the police department. Because just a cursory overview that I've done uh, shows that the unfounded disposition is being used far too much. And we've gotten into some battles uh, recently in 2023 with the fire department because what I'm trying to get them to understand is, and, and they've, they've been good, good troopers about this, is, is that unfounded means it didn't happen. If both parties, meaning the fire personnel or the police personnel employee, and then whoever the complainant is, if both agree that the situation happened, but if the, the organization, meaning the police department or the fire department, they're saying that what occurred, the behavior that occurred, did not rise to the level of misconduct, then it should be not sustained. The disposition should not be unfounded when you have evidence to show 
that it did happen. The interaction did happen. Whatever they're, they're alleging happened, it cannot be unfounded. And I, I believe and, and my staff believe that unfounded is being used too much and it should not uh, be, be um, used in many of the cases. But until we can look at every uh, single allegation of misconduct, it'll be uh, hard to, to correct it. Uh, I would say to correct it all the time. Uh, but an audit going backwards will show us the instances of when it was the disposition was assessed as unfounded and it should have been one of the other three. So uh, sustained is where you get your disciplinary action from because that means that misconduct uh, was shown through the evidence that the, the personnel of uh, the public safety employee did something wrong. Not sustained is, is, is more like, yes, um, the interaction happened, um, but the employee did not do, uh, did not have any behaviors that rose to the level of misconduct. And exonerated, like you said, is, is that the situation occurred, um, but what was done and what the complainant had an issue with, it was justified through state law, um, city ordinance, uh, federal law, whatever the case may be as far as that particular situation. And I think, to me, there's something here that we need to kind of look into. And I remember about a year ago, I had a conversation with Chief Lester, and she was concerned about customer service, as she started calling it, and I think that's a great way of actually talking about it. And there is a, there is a standard that must be then adhered to when we're talking about investigations and legal behavior. And a misconduct means that there is very, very clear outlined metrics but I think to me, what I'm more interested in is in that kind of gray area where it doesn't have to be misconduct that is so egregious that it actually, you basically have a misconduct filed for. But there's something here. And to me, at the end of the day, when it comes to customer service, the way our government interacts with a lot of the citizens, whether it be through the fire department, police, city council, employees of the city, whoever they may be, that is the first interaction that the public usually has with government. And to me, that's a big, it's a serious issue if the public feels like they are not being respected or treated with thoughtfulness. And at the end of the day, all of us kind of can remember how we're made to feel. You, if you have a negative experience with how somebody treats you, that will color how the perception and the relationship that is built with that person. Most of the time, you won't remember some of the positive experiences. You basically, that won't stick with you as often. What sticks with you is when you basically are, have a negative reaction, a negative interaction. That will be much more, like, that will be more lasting than some of these positive interactions that we have. So I think that there's something here. Um, I apologize for missing your presentation. I'm gonna go back and look at it because I think one of the, one of the things that I don't wanna do is recreate the wheel. If there are recommendations that you already put forth to the city council, I think it would be important for the commission to continue to elevate them and bring them up. Because again, at least I will speak for myself. The reason I keep coming back, and sometimes it does feel like um, hitting my, my head against the wall, but I think we, the people here and the people that work for the city really wanna have a different interaction. I want a different interaction between the community and police department. But that also means one, having transparency and acknowledging the things that are not going right, because that's the only way we actually address problems. And so to me, there's something here that we need to dig in a little more deeply. And so I will go back and have, um, look at the recording of the, the hearing 
and really kind of have a better sense of next steps because I think it's something that we need to continue to look into. There's four categories here and I, it's troubling to kind of see the number of not sustained and sustained because the combination of the two, quite significant number. So there's a trend here. I think I need a little more information, um, but thank you, thank you for, for being here and, and providing us a little more context. Thank you, Chair, and uh, thank you, Dr. Watson, for uh, really explaining that, that nuance and that difference. Um, it brings to mind, the, this whole conversation actually brings to mind of the difference between um, justification and, uh, or what is justified and what is ethical when it comes to um, uh, both service and, um, uh, you know, and conduct. And from what I'm gathering is that, you know, when they're declaring uh, when, when PD investigates itself and declares that, you know, an allegation was unfounded, it seems as though that they're essentially, like, when they're, they're overusing it, trying to say it didn't happen, therefore there was no unethical conduct or, uh, or misconduct um, within that. And it's troubling to me. I'm curious to know, actually, when department brings back unfounded claims, like, uh, and the, you list them here in your reports, are those unfounded claims, uh, ones that the, that OPSA found specifically or that uh, the department found and OPSA uh, verified? It is going to be the combination of everything because when you look at um, the uh, rate of review uh, for OPSA, it, does, it hasn't gotten above, um, it hadn't even reached 60%. So there's going to be a lot of um, allegations of misconduct and, and the and actual complaints that OPSA has not seen uh, and has not reviewed whatsoever. So it's gonna, your numbers are gonna include everything. Um, and so that's what tomorrow is for, is to get us to a point where uh, we're just like with the fire department, where we look at every review, every single allegation that comes in uh, for police, just as we've done since November of 2020 for the fire department. We gotta get there in order to be able to uh, ascertain anything that that improvement is is necessary for uh, may I ask how far the uh, current backlog goes um, I know you've been uh, in this position since 2020 are um, are back does the backlog go back that far or is it just still investigating like 2022 allegations do you mean um, the backlog for uh, for the investigation of allegations for for SPD Yes. Um, I have not uh, looked at that in the in the last month or so, uh, but I know that um, I still have staff reviewing uh, 2020, uh, 2022 cases, and we're in 2023. So um, the timeliness is not where we would we would like to see it, but it's definitely not what it was when I first got here. When I first got here in 2020, I was being sent. Um, allegations of misconduct and completed um, uh, cases that were from two years prior. And, you, and, and one of the biggest things that uh, Chief Han and I talked about is, is, is that according to, you know, the Peace Officer Bill of Rights, um, you cannot discipline an officer um, after, that, after a year. Um, so too many outstanding uh, allegations of misconduct, it, it may not do anything to curtail behavior. So we, we have to make sure that uh, we are timely um, when we receive 
uh, allegations of misconduct and, and make sure that we're investigating them um, in a timely fashion because taking too long, um, there are rights that, that uh, public safety personnel have, fire and police, um, in reference to disciplinary action. So, so the, we're doing better. We're not where we need to be, but we're much better than when I first arrived in 2020. Just to repeat that back, I, like, uh, I'm familiar with the uh, Peace Officer Bill of Rights, but um, I didn't really like catch that uh, time limit, that um, statute of limitations. Did you say that um, disciplinary actions cannot be implemented for misconduct allegations uh, that uh, past a year? Yes. Mind blowing. Uh, Commissioner Ganetto. Um, I just wanted to mention, I always want to highlight the work that we've done so we don't recreate the wheel, but in terms of looking at um, at least the conversation about discipline, I want to remind this body that we have a whole body of recommendations, including the creation of a discipline matrix. We actually provided one, an example, and you know what a way to clarify uh, what are serious, um, uh, you know, breaches in policy and what are not, um, not just for um, the public, which is really important, but for SAC PD itself. Um, and I, the other thing I wanted to um, bring up as the as the commission moves forward with the work, um, you know, moving forward is uh, consideration if in if the work that we have ahead of us. Um, if there is an opportunity to consider a recommendation um, to move from having an internal investigations to uh, internal investigation to having a third party um, investigate. Uh, I just, internal for me um, is bringing about, it's part of how we've done things and it just, to me, it doesn't make sense. It needs to be a neutral third party that looks at these things objectively and um, you know, time and time again, the community, when it was here, when it wasn't completely disillusioned with the work that uh, that we are doing or not doing or not capable of doing or however we want to frame it, one big thing was accountability. At some point, there has to be some accountability. And if we can't even finish investigations, that's a whole other issue. But um, something that might help is having a neutral third party um, investigate all these um, Issues, not the audit. I, I think that OPS is doing a, a great job, and I hope that they get the the staff that they need to uh, better audit. But I think even in the investigation itself, we need to be able to complete it, and we need to be in the public needs to be able to have confidence um, that it is a third party neutral. So just a thought to put a pin on and consider as we move um, the work this this year. Thank you. Actually, um, Commissioner Guerrero, that's a really good idea, the discipline matrix, because I think that would actually would help. Um, and this is where I'm going to turn to Dr. Watson. Because of your law enforcement background, you actually have been an officer, unlike myself. So are there certain cities that we should look at? Because I think it, it is one of those things that we need to make sure that if we're going to be using or proposing something that is centered on how officers do their work and somebody that understands it very, very intimately. So based on your experience, are there certain cities that have disciplinary matrices that we should take a look at as a model 
um, and maybe we could work with your office. I know that we're putting you in the spot right now, but that might be something that we can, having other cities that are doing it well, that could provide a starting point for, for us. Um, what I'll say is uh, the city of Sacramento is the first city that I've worked in that does not have a disciplinary matrix. So that is very new for me. Um, um, out of all the police organizations that I've worked at from a recruit officer all the way up to chief of police, there's always been a disciplinary matrix to ensure, uh, to ensure um, uh, consistency in disciplinary action according to uh, the behaviors um, that were found to, to be misconduct. But I have to say too that California is the first um, state that affords uh, public safety personnel so many protections. Um, I've, I've been uh, sworn in the, in the state of Texas as well as the state of Nevada. And there are, there are uh, the protections are not near uh, what they are here. So that, that's, a, that's another uh, element or another aspect um, as to, I'm assuming as to why they don't have a disciplinary uh, matrix, but that's probably a better question for um, the assistant city manager or, or uh, SPD, um, because I, I just hadn't uh, worked in a, in a department that didn't have it. Um, and where you look at how you discipline officers um, in the past for those, uh, those exact same allegations and when and what um, the disciplinary action was and for uh, anything egregious where it tells you that um, it could be uh, high levels of suspension up to termination for violations of the law and arrest and things like that, where it spells it out. Um, it's very different here, but then again, the Peace Officer Bill of Rights is very different here, and there is no uh, Peace Officer Bill of Rights in the state of Texas. So there are some different elements uh, in California, and it could be uh, why they are the way they are here. But we would probably need um, our president of the um, the Police Officers Association, SPD, as well as um, our city administration to, to be able to really give you some information on, on the matrix. I know that if, if that's something that they started to think about, um, that definitely would have to be bargained uh, uh, with the associations. Thank you. I think I think I might ask um, the assistant city manager for to help us kind of look into whether the city is precluded by state law from actually having a disciplinary matrix, or if there are other cities in the state of California that have them. Maybe looking at those that might be putting you um, notice. That's going to be the upcoming data sure. request. Yeah. Yeah, and that's something that we talked about, right? Putting in the data request. And I, I will say this, I'll, I'll commit to this commission, right? You get the agenda ahead of time. If you have questions ahead of time that you want answered, I will do my best to bring those answers to you. And even if there were a police officer here, I mean, or a police personnel here, they're not gonna be able to answer every question. The idea is if we can get questions ahead of time or even afterwards, we're gonna follow up on it. And I know we've probably straying away from the topic on the agenda, but um, I probably could save it to, for the next item. But we talked about increasing the frequency of our meeting with the chair and the vice chair and trying to match the log questions with the work plan so that we can get to answering some of those questions. And I think we can talk about that. Thank you, Chair. Um, this conversation is really like raising a lot of, good, of great suggestions and, and points around that. And I 
I think it speaks to something that we were looking at, which was having uh, the Sacramento Police Office Association um, uh, actually come and talk about the like about these issues um, uh, to really be available to answer some of these questions. So that might be something that uh, we could request as a future presentation, especially um, uh, with the second half of our work plan. Um, there was a question that I. Uh, there was a, a couple of additional questions that I had, which was um, related to uh, tracking, like demographics tracking. Um, I know OPSA tracks additional uh, gender, race, and ethnicity categories, or at least that's what I had gathered, I think, from the report. And um, I know the department has recently updated its uh, general orders to include a policy for interactions with um, uh, transgender and uh, gender non-binary individuals, but uh, the reports only includes uh, reportable quarterly data from my understanding. Um, when you're tracking demographic information, do you also um, identify or, or track um, or include uh, people with non-binary genders, national origins, or immigrant uh, immigration statuses? It's all a category in the, the system, um, and that's... Um, depending on if they contact uh, OPSA to, to file their allegation of misconduct. Um, I'm not really sure if that's tracked um, when they call to, to um, file the report directly with the fire department or police department. I believe that both organizations have, have done a good job with uh, trying to pull as much demographic information as we can. I have seen um, much consistency with people not wanting to share that information when you ask them. They're wanting to, to tell you what they have issue with and why they're upset. And uh, a lot of times it's a lot of yelling and cursing uh, because they don't appreciate what they've went through in their interaction. But they do not seem to, to like uh, answering those questions because I like to, to do more analysis as far as the demographics, but they, they don't like to share that. And so I did have staff to create a, a, um, a, a category of uh, did not want to disclose instead of saying unknown to make sure that I'm, I'm, I'm getting, uh, getting the, the complainant uh, to be asked that question. instead Because when you don't have a category to say they failed to disclose, everything goes in the unknown category. And it was hard to ascertain whether or not we were actually asking them that when they're calling in to, or um, sending information in because they have an allegation of misconduct that they want investigated. Thank you, Dr. Watson. Um, maybe I, I misheard, and I apologize if I'm uh, repeating the question. Uh, so you say that, did you say that the department does track for these statuses, but they just don't want to disclose that data to the OPSA? No, I said I'm not sure um, if the um, police department asks those type of questions. Um, I, I said that we have categories for that but I've seen how they don't want to answer gotcha. those questions. Mm -hmm. Okay, thank you Try for that. To, to obtain as much of that uh, demographic information as we can, but they're really just wanting us to write down what happened uh, so it can be investigated. They don't even um, like to, to answer any of your background questions. Some do, but very few, very few, but we ask anyway. And so my, my direction is to continue to ask to try to develop as much uh, demographic information as we can when we get ready to start analyzing. It's a mystery why they wouldn't want to. 
Um, what's the purpose, outcome, and process for OPSA's outreach and engagement efforts? I noted that um, some of your reports mentioned, you know, uh, OPSA conducts uh, outreach and events to focus on reaching out to uh, community to inform. I'm just curious, like, how many events have you had and, uh, like, had most recently, and what, what, how do those events uh, generally go? What, do you, um, what are the ultimate outcomes from those events? You, what you want to do is is that what I found from getting from even coming here is that people don't even know that the Office of Public Safety Accountability exists. A lot of the um, the interviews uh, that I did uh, right as the audit was being um, publicized is just a lack of knowledge. So a lot of the notices that go out is asking to attend anything that the community is having to share information about what the office is and what it does. One of the things that um, we, we're not, um, we, we need much improvement in is we don't have the capacity to, to really do what we should be doing with engagement and outreach. And so uh, one of those um, six positions that's being asked for tomorrow evening um, is uh, to have a position uh, with a coordinator that's going to actually develop a, a strategic plan uh, to make sure that the um, engagement and outreach uh, increases um, to, to where it, it needs to be and have someone who's, who's solely focused on that and, and directing uh, all personnel in the office. But um, the main thing I'll get across tomorrow is, is that the office was established and there's so many things that's lifted as to what the office should be doing, but the personnel doesn't match what it is that, that's being asked. That's really uh, helpful to know. Um, I, I'll pass to, right now for uh, to Commissioner Gao. Go so um, I just wanted to follow up on a question that um, uh, Chair Graciela Castillo-Krings had. Um, so we did look at a couple of uh, different uh, jurisdictions. We looked at San Francisco. We used as the city of Madison, we used uh, the city of South Bend, and I believe we included um, Seattle, and what we found is many jurisdictions have uh, discipline matrix. Um, Sacramento just doesn't. And uh, the we didn't take a, a crazy approach in terms of creating new things. We took a lot of, in creating uh, the matrix here, we looked at those and, and looked at their structure, and we literally recommended one. That was very broad. Um, but we looked at what the policies were with SACPD and categorized them um, as a suggestion, a starting place. And so um, I can say that this recommendation in particular um, uh, has quite a bit of justifications, had a lot of work, um, and I'm happy to you know, forward the actual, I know we're used to seeing you know, a spreadsheet, uh, but this uh, actually came a, crosses a long form with a, a spread with the um, discipline matrix um, and as I said we have documents from other jurisdictions that we were able to look at so um, yeah a lot and this is just one example of a lot of recommendations especially in the more recent years uh, we really truly try to justify um, and cite where we got our recommendations from um, as we you know got better about what is necessary to provide uh, in terms of backup and justification. So I just wanted to, to share that. 
And then I would ask, uh, Clerk, are there any uh, are there any members of the public who wish to give public comment? Thank you, Vice Chair. I have no speaker slips from those in chambers, and I have one hand raised online. Uh, BNB Unity. Yes, we can. Okay. Oh, okay. I just want to start off by taking a minute. Um, I feel like everyone who's been at this meeting just needs a second to like take a, a breath, take a big breath of air, breathe a little bit. Um, it's been really frustrating watching these meetings. I feel frustrated for y'all. Uh, I showed up to those military equipment meetings and I said something along the lines of, uh, feeling like you guys are being scapegoated um, and being used by retain their military equipment um, and had an inkling that they would still not show up to your meetings even after the fact, even though you guys helped host those meetings, put them on for the community, listened genuinely to what the community wanted and needed. Um, Rossiel, I appreciate what you said at City Hall last week. I feel like you genuinely brought to the table what the community wanted, and I appreciate that. Um, looking up there and seeing every one of the people sitting in those seats. Being black and brown and understanding the climate that we're in right now. I know that you guys show up because you have family and you have loved ones who are black and brown and you guys worry about their safety as well. So I appreciate the work that you're doing, um, but it's just unacceptable that SAC PD still continues to not show up and how you guys are feeling right now is how we've been feeling for weeks after weeks after weeks, showing up to city hall, bringing our demands for the community and they don't listen, they don't listen. And I, it's looking like it, it, that includes you guys too, right? They don't listen to black and brown voices. It's very clear. So I just wanna send you guys some like positive like love and I really hope you guys take care of your mental health after this. Thank you. Um, and per, um, per the instructions given at the beginning of this agenda meeting, you do have another minute to speak if you wish for a total of three minutes. I appreciate that. Um, I just feel like at some point something has to give. So either that's y'all striking your meetings and showing up to city hall as a front and saying, we're not gonna show up to these meetings if SAC PD doesn't put on paper that they like commit to being here because this is ridiculous. At this point, they're wasting all of our time um, while we don't have to deal with them killing us in the streets. So. That's all I have to say. Thank you for your comments. Chair, I have no more speakers. Thank you, Clerk. Uh, from my understanding, this is a receive and file, so there's no motion that needs to be taken. Uh, with that, I will turn it back over to Chair Castillo-Krings. Great, thank you so much for, for handling while I was gone. So I think we have our next item on the agenda, which is our follow-up log. And one of the things that I just wanted to kind of step back and address, I think um, 
I've been hearing, and, and the other thing is, Dr. Watson, thank you so much for giving us um, your time. Really do appreciate it. And like we said, we probably are going to have some follow-up discussions and additional items that we're going to ask both of PD and of your office. So thank you so much for working with us again. No problem, Sue. Um, really quickly, one of the things, before, before we begin on the follow-up log, I think I want to get a little clarification. We cannot do an, any voting yet. But I think I've been hearing a lot of frustration about the items that go on the follow-up log. And I just want to step back and make sure that I think we set the record straight. So my understanding, and this is going to be a question to the city clerk's office. My understanding was, is that city council, the, the way they actually agendize items, is that the council will put things on the follow-up log, and that becomes what ends up setting the agenda. That is my understanding, somebody from clerk's office explained that to me, and I think other commissions might have that. I think right now there's a little bit of tension between the work plan that is approved by all of us, kind of helping, having that guide what moves forward and the type of request that we make of PD, and the, I think, agreement has been with the mayor and the council that if something is part of our work plan, there has to be a timely response by PD. That has been, I think, the reason the work plan was put into place is to ensure that when we have requests that there is an answer from PD, but at the same time for there to be some, you know, a scope of work that is approved that everybody knows that we're going to be working, like basically moving forward. That is very different than, than us having a follow-up log that is responded to. So I know we cannot take a vote, but one of the things that I'm trying to think through as a way of reducing some of the tension um, and making sure that we have a solution for is instead of having it be a follow-up log that basically we don't really have an end date or it's a little nebulous as to when those issues are going to be handled, I would propose, and again, we cannot take action this today, but we can if people want to have the discussion and are comfortable putting it on the agenda for next, next time, would be that the follow-up log actually informs the work plan for 2024. Because at the end of the day, I think part of part of the thing when we started to do this process, you know, the vice chair and I kind of took it upon ourselves to come up with a work plan because we have to put something forward. We have a little bit of time between now and the end of the year to figure out what we as a commission want to work on in 2024. So what I would suggest is us using the follow-up log as a way of actually creating the work plan and kind of having that conversation about what we want to do. Again, we have a, a few months to figure it out, but remember, from our experience, we kind of have to start the work plan now, now, so because we have to get it across PP&E so that we can actually get it up and running by January. So want to propose that. Again, I'm trying to figure out how to kind of keep moving us forward and really trying to kind of decrease the level of just frustration that we have. So just want to put it out there and kind of get your thoughts. Commissioner Carter. I'm a little bit confused. I don't think we should do away with the log. It is what it is. As far as frustration, there will always be frustration because the city council keeps kicking the can down the road. That's the big elephant in the room. And I think everybody just got to accept that. I've been here since 2017. And we have however many recommendations in the queue. So um, until they're out of the queue, until 
the city does something, the, the city council as a whole, yay or nay, vote, do something instead of kicking it down the road, there will be frustration because we are sitting here. Everybody's taking their time and we're doing all this research to come up with all these recommendations. A good example is the matrix. Mario spent hours and hours and hours on the matrix. We spent, our, our, Mario and I was on the uh, disciplinary ad hoc committee. We spent hours and hours looking at San Francisco and all these other police departments. It's sitting in the queue. All that research, all that time and energy is just sitting in the queue and we just, you know, we're just talking about the same thing every week. Nothing is being done. So the frustration is going to be there. And my two cents is if the city council start doing their job, you won't have to decipher and come up with a new name for the log or do away with the log to keep the peace because we won't be frustrated anymore because we'll see some progress. So um, I don't, right now I'm not in favor of just, just um, eliminating the log and just having some plan for the work plan. We're going to do that anyway. But everything on this log, at some point, it needs to be done. Um, so I don't know how any other way to say it, and it's not my personality to sugarcoat stuff. I don't do that. I just say it like it is. Um, so, but that, that's the way I see it. You know, we've been sitting here, and until the city council as a whole, they direct the city manager to do something, it's not going to happen. SAC PD is not sitting here because they don't want to be here. If they don't like commissioners, as Commissioner Guerrero said, it's not about whether you like the person. This is an oversight committee. We're supposed to be doing oversight. We're not supposed to be sucking up and um, just going, you know, rubber stamping everything. The job is to oversight, analyze, come up with recommendations, and then the city council, SAC PD, they can vote yay or nay, but the bottom line is going to rest with the city council. They, they have to do something. They can't just keep continually kicking the can down the road. And as long as they do that, we're just going to be frustrated over here. Commissioner Guerrero. Um, I'm open to restructuring the uh, log. Uh, I think that most of these fall in with the work that we want to do anyway. Um, but. You know, I'm with Commissioner Carter. I just, I've, I've been here too many years, and I, I just think it, um, the likely outcome is not that we will get any questions answered again. Uh, and, you know, all due respect, we need, we need the SAC PD, um, someone here that can answer questions, maybe not all questions, but then go back and get some answers. You know, that's, that's a partnership. That's, that's common sense in order for us to be functional. Uh, you know, as an example, uh, we need to know the process by which the council's gonna take up our recommendations. That was just recently added uh, by myself and the vice chair. Um, that's integral to any of the work that we do <laughs> because no matter what we come up with, we gotta know the process. It's crazy to me that um, we are, um, we were talking about establishing a process I think earlier, early part of last year, maybe even before then, and we still don't know the process. And um, 
you know, the process is me being made for us. So can we get that presentation? Let's restructure, prioritize that as an example. Um, but I also don't feel like um, maybe we can restructure in terms of things that fall under the, um, the um, current work category, things that fall under the uh, work plan for next year, and then miscellaneous. Uh, for example, and I was going to bring this up, but we have a, I, ha I brought up a question that was based on, a, on a, um, members of our community sending me an article about does SACPD screen their equipment vendors following federal and state laws in light of this article that I sent to Assistant City Manager Lara? And those kinds of questions, for me, reflect that, yeah, we have a work plan, but there are important issues that come up. And some of them might be very simple and we can get out of the way. That seems a very simple question. Um, and we should expect answers to questions like that, even if they don't fall under the log. Now I can understand if it's going to take hours and hours, but that one shouldn't. <laughs> so for me, we can restructure, as I said, current plan, future plan, miscellaneous. Um, and I'm hopeful that will help, but I'm going to try to continue to think glass half full, glass half full. Um, but, uh, yeah, that's my feedback. Commissioner Bliss. Appreciate the, Appreciate the previous comments. Um, and I, uh, Commissioner Guerrero, uh, said, well, I think the log is still important. And one of the things that I remember um, the chair and I pressing on the city when we had initially talked about the backlog of 146 or 115 recommendations. It's now up to 146. Um, that the past, the backlog of recommendations and the uh, the requests that we had made from the follow-up log should be uh, addressed parallel to the work that we're currently doing within our work plan. That was what we had talked about beforehand, and I have to agree that that's. Like the information that's on the follow-up log absolutely intersects with priorities in the work plan. I even see them uh, uh, that could be helpful in addressing organizational culture and accountability. Um, you know, having re like having a, a presentation on the updates to training, which we've requested from before. There were uh, requests for RIPA data um, that has been made. I think can easily be. Um, brought back in and other policies uh, such as uh, requests like a presentation on the department's policy pertaining to protests uh, as far back as 2019. You know, there have been updates to um, the, the PD's manuals, uh, reference manuals, um, such as the First Amendment Assembly Manual that was previously the Crowd and Riot Control uh, Manual that has been updated that we don't even have a clear understanding. Uh, we haven't been told like told what's actually changed within that. We've been shown it, but they haven't really explained that for us or the public. And I think like one of the reasons too that I oftentimes harp and ask uh, like pointed questions and sometimes end up repeating myself is because I'm trying to understand it. And if I'm having trouble understanding these sorts of things, then the members of the public who don't have the time to study these issues, to read through hundreds and hundreds of pages of police doc documents with uh, legalistic jargon are going to be able to understand. So it's not just for us that PD is available and like, you know, we have these uh, requests addressed to us. It's also important for the public 
to provide meaningful participation. Not just check a box, but provide meaningful participation. That's really important. Um, so I, I'm, in terms of like what we do with the current law, because it is confusing and we don't have a clear process in place um, for addressing all of these, I think it might help for us as a commission um, to go through and identify what categories, um, how this intersects both with the current work plan as well as if any of them fall outside of that, like really just identifying the topic area as it relates to policing uh, within the scope of, our, of this commission's duties. It might be helpful to just identify that um, and then include that specifically as a new um, column within the log so that, so that members of the public can understand what specific issue or topic this actually uh, speaks to. And that's actually, I, I, think, I think that's exactly what I was hoping to get from, from the commission. And I'm gonna hold my comments for items not on the agenda, but I think what I'm trying to do is, we are spending so much time at our meetings kind of talking about some of the processes. And I'm trying to figure out how do we actually streamline, streamline them, but at the same time make sure that we're kind of getting the work accomplished. So I really like the idea of trying to figure out how some of the actual things on the follow, some of the items on the follow-up log can actually benefit or inform the current work plan, kind of outline the things that are outside of the work plan so that can be consideration for the next year and miscellaneous, right? And I think my understanding of, of the things were you have the work plan, but then there are gonna be things that come up that are emergencies that must be addressed. And that is where we can deviate from the work plan. But I am trying to figure out how to balance the concerns that I have heard about resources and using, to be honest, using resources or lack of resources as to why we don't get the information we need. So trying to figure out how to reduce some of the tension here so that we can use our time in the chambers as productively as possible. Um, so if everyone's comfortable with that, we can kind of put a plan together. And by, by we, I'm gonna go ahead and rope in um, uh, Mr. Guerrero and the vice chair to try to figure out something on the agenda for next year, for next meeting. And then we can try to have it be a more productive discussion when it comes to the follow-up log. Does that, if everyone's okay with it, um, then we'll come back next, for next meeting. Okay, thank you. Um, do we have any, com any comments from the public on this item? Thank you, Chair. I have no speaker slips from those in chambers, and I have one member of the public with their hand raised online, uh, Anna Marie Smith. I'm gonna unmute myself. Hi, uh, maybe I should be uh, coming in on the items not on the agenda. Thank you. Thank you. Chair, I have no, Chair, I have no speakers. Great, this item is received and filed, so no vote is required. We're moving on to items not on the agenda. No commissioner comments. Is that right? Yes. So, did you did you want to speak? So I wanted to kind of um, address. We used to have a chair's update on our agenda before when we were under OPSA. We don't have that anymore. So I'm going to use this time to kind of address a little bit of the elephant in the room. Um, and so I want to start off by kind of giving everybody um, an update as to what happened at council meeting last Tuesday. And I think, I think I was very disappointed at the outcome. I've already made my displeasure known to both Lieutenant Shiriashi and also to the assistant manager um, and have been assured that we are going to try to come up with a different process. 
So let me start by reading off the conclusion for the report, for the MEU report. Many of the participants expressed profound mistrust and animosity towards the style of policing they encountered, particularly during protests. They are suspicious that the police department is truly open to changing its tactics and believe the participation in these forums has little chance of leading to meaningful, meaningful change. If the city council chooses to approve SPD's MEU policy and annual report without requiring significant changes, it will serve to reinforce the perception that these forms are simply placating the public rather than providing real opportunities for reform. And one of the things that I kept kind of harping at some of the meetings and some of the commissioners that were there um, were hearing and noticing was the lack of additional participation from city council. And I actually don't, I do agree that there is collaboration that is happening with PD. I think the time that both Mr. Lara and Lieutenant Shiriashi, the reason that, that they are there is because they are trying to be helpful and collaborate. And so to me, the real issue lies with city council because that's who actually is elected and who has authority to direct the city manager. And I think I was really frustrated because I was hoping that through this process that we were directed to do, that many of us spent hours doing and coming up with, that we were actually gonna have city, the city take action on something different. And I was very disappointed. And I left the room right after the vote happened because I was just like, I'm done. And it's disappointing because we're asking not just ourselves, but community members to come out and participate in a government that is gonna listen to them. And when you basically have your electeds not doing anything and just using these forums to placate the public, it reinforces all of the negative things that they think about government. And I think, you know, one of the things that we kept hearing at the community forums were, we appreciate the work that you guys are doing, Commission. Thank you for the time you're spending. But you're toothless. And they're right. I was hoping that we could prove them differently. I was hoping that we were gonna actually do something a little different. And at first, look, I'm a mayor appointee. I was at first heartened by some of the comments that he was making where he was talking about, why should we give you additional um, authority for, uh, to buy additional weapons um, when the, your auditing is off? Why should we be doing that? Or the other thing is, why should we allow you to buy in bulk for five years because the justification is not sufficient that, that you're getting a better deal? That is not enough. So I was really hoping that he was gonna take a different action and was very disappointed when he didn't. And I had a conversation with, with the vice chair and part of me was like ready to just quit. But I also can't do that. And it's hard for me to do that. And part of it is because I think you have everybody here who's giving of their time, everybody who is out there trying to kind of give us more energy, like some of the comments and some of the people that were there really asking for PD to interact with them very differently. And so you're not wrong, Commissioner Carter. To me, the responsibility does not lie with PD. It's easy for us to say you're, they're not here. But at the end of the day, city council actually has the authority to change things and they are choosing not to. And so to me, I, I, I just, I am trying to be hopeful. I am trying to collaborate and continue to work. And I do appreciate you know, assistant manager, Lara, because I will also say, in his time here, we are getting more responses from PD. He has followed through with his word when he says, I will get you those answers. So to me, as long as we're getting answers, whether PD is here or not, 
I'm okay with that. The bigger issue for me is where are our electeds? Because if not, it continues to, for me, reinforce that we are just a body that was created to placate when things get dicey. And as long as we're not, if we're not gonna acknowledge that, and if, they, if city council's not gonna be okay hearing that, then dissolve the commission. So this is where I'm feeling right now and, and where I am. I am hoping, again, I'm not walking away. I think we have some good partners in the city and people that are willing to spend time with us and really try to get progress, but it is frustrating. So I think it was important for me to kind of say that because I think we owe it to a lot of the public that showed up and gave us their hours to acknowledge that enough is not getting, getting done. Vice Chair Bliss. Oh. Commissioner Guerrero. Thank you, um, Madam Chair, and um, I agree. Council is, um, you know, can direct SACPD to be here, but I also don't want to give SACPD a, a, um, a pass. You know, we um, have requested their presence. Um, before I was chair, they were here, and then at one point, right before I became chair, they missed a couple meetings, we made a, deal, a big deal of it, and then they were coming consistently. And we, at that point, we already had a recommendation to have city council require them to be here. And when I presented before the city council on six recommendations, which I thought were approved, I thought, I'm still, I, I, the letter that we sent them says, hey, I believe that you voted as a council to require SACBD to be here. We obviously haven't gotten a response, but as far as I'm concerned, I was at that meeting. That's what I thought they voted on. They're not here. But side point, um, SAC PD can voluntarily be here, and they should recognize that it benefits everyone, including SAC PD, for them to be here. We don't know implementation. They, they are pretty much fully in charge of implementation. When we have an idea, we need to hear, hey, we're already doing that, or hey, we're doing a version of that. Oh, that's great. Why don't we make sure the public knows or let's repackage it somehow so that the public better understands it. They, if, if they're here, it just naturally becomes more of a partnership. So I refuse to give that a, um, uh, a pass. Um, but you're right, it's council too. And I will say I, I'm, I agree. I mean, I'm verbalizing more and more that my frustration and, and saying more and more openly that I'm, you know, every time I come here, I consider whether being here is, um, you know, is it's worthwhile. And it's not that I don't think it's important. I think it's extremely important work. The issues are really important. And um, I value the public. I think we all do. That's why we're here. But at a certain point, we've tried all of these things so many different ways. I mean, I mentioned the issue of SAC PD being here. After last meeting, I don't know, you know, what you all, my fellow commissioners did, but I messaged uh, the mayor, I messaged council member Lisa Kaplan, I messaged council member Maple, I messaged uh, uh, council member Katie Valenzuela, um, I may be missing a council member, and I got some responses and I have a meeting um, with council member Maple, oh, council member Mai Bang, um, and again, I did that just because the more they hear from us, the better. Um, 
and I'm just more and more disappointed. Uh, I don't think that there's enough public pressure, um, like an incident, a critical incident, and that's a shame that we have to wait to, for another public incident, a major public incident, to really make change. And part, I mean, there's so much to this frustration that has been built over time, but part of it is also that I want to be a good partner with SACPD, and I've said this many times before, I feel like if they were, they partner with us, we could actually highlight that they've actually implemented a good number of things. <laughs> but I can't do that if they're not here. I can't give both attaboys and, you know, hey, we need to, um, you know, improve over here, or hey, we need transformation. We don't have to agree. But it's not just the council. It, council is absolutely responsible. I'm sorry, but also SACPD. Like, we all, all three groups um, have to be responsible adults that respond to the community. We need to be in the room. We're not always going to agree, but each has to do its part. Um, so, yeah, I don't give a, a pass to the council. I don't give a pass to SACPD. Um, you know, I think this commission has shown that if we're told this is the process, we'll follow it. If they need more information, even though we're not paid, we're happy to do the work. We've put in the work. We'll continue to do the work, but we keep going round and round. So I will say that, you know, the caller, I'll end with the one of the, one of the earlier um, callers mentioned, um, hey, if we have to resign as whole to make a statement, I'm willing to do that. I'm telling you this on record. If it comes to a point where we all want to feel like, hey, we're, we're bumping our heads against the wall, let's all resign together, hold a press conference, and let's just say it how it is, because I'm just tired. And I will say this to any council member or the mayor, I, I think highly of them. I think that they do, they have a lot of issues. I also want to say they have a ton of things to deal with. But if we just made some progress on some of these issues, even the basic ones, I think it would go a long way. And again, I just, I feel like we don't have a critical incident, therefore we are not doing anything. I want to be proven wrong. I want to be able to say I was completely wrong. There's progress ahead, but I don't see it. And working together is one thing, but when you don't see results, you know, even, even partial results, because there are things that I know we agree on, but we can't even get to them because of SACPD not wanting to be in the room. That's not an issue of council. That's, that's an issue of SACPD feeling that their, their feelings were hurt. They don't get along with some commissioners. And it's not even me, but I'm the one saying it because I think it's ridiculous. I think it's absolutely ridiculous. You're, a paid professional, show up. If your feelings are hurt, hey, tell us, hey, let's change how we interact. I'm all for that, absolutely. I never want to say anything um, personally you know, derogatory, uh, something that hurts people's feelings, but we can't do our job if they're not here. So I'm not going to give a, a pass to SACPD and certainly counsel bears responsibility. And as I said, if you all at one point want to resign together because we get to that point, I'm open to that. Thank you. Thank you, Commissioner. Vice Chair. There's a lot that could be said around that. I mean, the frustration that you're hearing is real. And um, I really just want to appreciate and thank um, my colleagues on this commission, especially the chair um, and uh, Commissioner Guerrero um, and Commissioner Carter, 
who have been like, honestly, models to me of what the commission is capable of and what we could be doing if we were given the opportunity to actually succeed, if we were treated with respect. And I think that really is what it comes down to is just the profound lack of respect. And for me personally, part of it comes from uh, something that uh, Commissioner Guerrero alluded to, which was that PD doesn't like some of us on the commission. I'm going to name point blank that that's me. They don't like me on this commission because for years I've been a dog, a thorn in city council and PD's uh, paw for years, criticizing them from the city council, uh, uh, from public comment, from here to the county. And that was brought to my attention earlier this year when uh, I was in informed, when I was informed that because of my past advocacy, essentially, um, up until last year, that I wasn't, uh, it, uh, certain members of the police department didn't feel safe having a conversation with me or directly engaging with me in their official capacity. Um, and I'm aware that certain people may be upset by my comments, you know. I'm speaking authenticity, authentically from a place of, like, of genuine rage and frustration, anger, because I've been mistreated here in Sacramento City by, by our police department. I've been mistreated by other police departments across the country and in, in the county. And... Some of them feel like because of my experience, because of my comments, I carry an alleged bias against law enforcement um, and, and based on the attitudes and expressions I've given as a private citizen and Sacramento residents before my time, actually, on the Police Review Commission. And I respect their right to feel and express their disapproval with my comments and communication style as much as they respect my, my own right to express it. Feelings are not facts, but it's a fact that we feel it. I don't hold any hatred for any member of law enforcement, and I can personally promise all of you and them that none of my comments uh, at prior meetings were directed, uh, like most recently at the County Board of Supervisors, were directed at the police department or individual personnel. It's not the, it's not the individuals that I have a problem with. It's the culture that we keep getting back to. And I understand that we're going to disagree, like many of us are going to disagree with uh, our views on law, of law enforcement policies, practices, and culture. However, as Commissioner Guerrero alluded to, or mentioned, it's not necessary that we like each other or that we even agree in order to collaborate in service with the shared values and interests of Sacramento community. That's exactly what all of us volunteered to do. And to be clear, we are all volunteers. Some of, like, we are stipend $50 to attend these meetings. Some of us accept it. Some of us donate it. Some of us don't accept it. I, for one, am one of those people that does not accept a dime from the city to be here. So it's to that end, I really think it's important that we're being clear that we are all community members as well as appointed commissioners, volunteers on this body. And like police officers, or particularly the chief of uh, the chief of police are public officials with a clear duty to serve all Sacramento community members without distinction or regard for how they may feel about us. 
if they wish to internalize criticisms of law enforcement uh, as personal attacks upon their characters, that is their personal choice as private citizens. But in their official role, whether it be the police chief or the deputy chief or even the city manager, they have no right to be comfortable with members of the public who engage, like, that they engage with. And no member of the public or a public official has a responsibility to temper our expressions to oblige their personal feelings or sense of comfort. We are also volunteers, again, appointed to serve on a city commission tasked with providing community participation in reviewing and recommending police department policies, practices, and procedures, and monitoring the implementation, evaluation, and sustainability of city policing initiatives and programs. It's right there in the charter, or in city code too. As a, and as a volunteers, we also remain members of the public with every right to meet and engage with the police department personnel, especially in our official capacity. We are also private citizens with a right to free speech under the First Amendment. Uh, and particularly for some of us who identify as black on this commission, repeatedly impacted by the negative outcomes of the current system of law enforcement and the current culture of law enforcement, we have every right to express our frustrations and concerns about any law enforcement institution, including the Sacramento Police Department, with or without their approval. Speaking for myself, nothing I have said, I, I have publicly stated before or during my service as a police review commissioner has violated city code or council rules of procedure. I know that for a fact. And borrowing com compelling evidence to the contrary, none of my actions are consistent with the are inconsistent with the actions or conduct of members of city council, the police department, or their respective cultures. So regardless of how they might feel, they still have to work with us. And if they're not willing to actually show up to this, then, and, and actually take this seriously, then that's on them. Any criticism that they receive from us, any frustrations that we express, that's on them. And one of the things I really was particularly frustrated by was how they continue to mischaracterize and misrepresent our relationship. I think there are really, like, there are really uh, faithful individuals, people that are working with us in good faith, like Assistant City Manager Lara and Lieutenant Jeff Shiriashi, who's been our primary liaison uh, so far during, uh, for the MEU conversations. They're doing the work and actually coming to us to make sure that we are getting the information we need to do our work. It's their leadership that I have a problem with. That's my biggest problem. I think that's like roots particularly within the culture, which I'm, I will show respect to any individual, just like I've been doing with the assistant city manager and the Lieutenant Shiriashi that show me that respect, but it's a two way street. And I feel like we've been continuously mis like disrespected by city council, by the city manager and by the chief of police in that. During the last week's presentation, um, the Chief Lester responded to the direction about uh, expanded data sharing that the council had requested and stated that SPD are not auditors, which on this I emphatically agree with them. SPD revealed to council back on August 15th that uh, it had missed counting more than 12,000 rounds of ammunition and over 200 uh, assault classes uh, patrol rifles that were supposed to be in its military inventory for 2022. And, be, and why was that? 
because it didn't conduct a physical hand count of its equipment and instead relied on an outdated spreadsheet uh, in its 2022 report. Now, I've been in the labor force since the age of 14, but working for working from retail to food service industries, anyone that's worked in these hourly wage positions knows that inventory checks are always hand counts, always physical, <laughs> conducted on an annual basis, and they do it with far fewer staff and obscenely lower pay than what the Sacramento police officer makes on average, which is $165,000, if anybody's tracking. Why did P PD assume that an outdated spreadsheet was more accurate than a physical audit? These are questions that I was really hoping that city council members would ask. And I was actually, it's rare that I'm actually cheering on the side of the mayor when he's asking why should, we should pay, why Sacramento city taxpayers should pay $360,000 for more equipment that it doesn't need. Unfortunately, they still went with it. And that's my question that I'm lingering with too, and I think a lot of people have said, I know I'm taking up a lot of time, and I appreciate everybody's patience. Why did the council approve a legally deficient policy that puts the city at risk of lawsuits from attorneys and civil rights organizations? Organizations like the ACLU that specifically sent a letter, which I will forward to everybody and make sure, we sent it to the ad hoc, that explicitly says that the policy is not only deficient, but that the council actually has more time. But according to the city attorney's office, uh, during the presentation, it claimed that AB 481 tethers the MEU policy to its military equipment use report and is required to be approved within one year of its approval, which, was, which apparently expires this Tuesday. I really want to see the city attorney's office prove that in the letter of the law and in its interpretation. Show us the case law to that because honestly, the policy that's listed in the report, uh, the, the data that's listed in the report comes from the previous year and the policy that city council approved are just the recommended changes to that. It doesn't include the original, it doesn't all list the, the original policy to it. But I think if other attorneys are questioning that publicly out loud, then that should have been heard by city council and that should have been seriously considered. And it wasn't. Why? For me personally, as somebody that's been studying this issue for a number of years, particularly in the area of campaign finance, I can name, I can think of about 130,949 reasons why city council would just approve this policy that day and not listen to its appointed commissioners or civil rights organizations. $6,000 is how much money that uh, the District 1 council member has received in just her first year in office. $12,000 is how much that the, like, that the District 3 council member has received. And these are all from the Sacramento Police Officers Association. $10,600 is how much the District 7 council member has received from the Sacramento Police Officers Association in his time in office. And $53,000 at minimum is how much our mayor has received since 2016. I don't think this is a coincidence. There is a famous quote from a convicted, uh, convicted lobbyist, Jack Abramoff, that names that political contributions are bribes. Sure, it's legal. Sure, everybody takes. Like, sure, everybody does it. It's a part of the constitution. It's part of the law of the land. But it's a bribe all the same. And as much as they don't like that, 
it's on them to prove that that's not like that that's not the case that they are not influenced or afraid of the police association to actually make like to actually hold them accountable but so far i haven't seen it personally and i've been really really generous about that i could have spoken up on this a lot sooner but given that we just spent four months trying to get through and host these community conversations to really ensure that community members are being heard to me and shows the lack of respect from all levels of government leadership of government certain individuals show us great respect and actually work with us and I'll continue working with them and I'll talk with any one of the members of city council or Sacramento Police Department on these issues but I'm not going to treat them like children show us respect or we will like or accept the criticism one or the other that's what like that's what I want to leave here today any other commissioner comments Madam Chair just really quick I don't know if anyone else has any comments but um, I also want to acknowledge September 11th so I'm wondering when we adjourn if we can adjourn in the memory of, of all of those lives lost including our first responders thank you for bringing that up commissioner um, so with that we are moving next to the public comments matter not on the agenda I believe we had a somebody from the public are they still on and Marie Yes, Chair. Uh, so I have no speaker slips from those in chambers, and I have one hand raised online. Uh, Anna Marie. Hi. Um, am I unmuted? Yes. Okay. Um, well, several things. Um, the, the individual thing that I want to say is that I found it very fishy that um, the... Um, military equipment use annual report included a section on complaints and said that there were zero complaints with respect to the deployment of military equipment. And there were 852 deployments that we know of um, and zero complaints. I want to know how OPSA digs into SWAT-oriented complaints and determines whether or not a given complaint does have a military equipment dimension that is not obvious uh, to its um, current uh, organizational uh, flow. Um, and I just, I, I just put that out there that this is something that we didn't get a chance to talk about last week. Um, and um, I think Council Member Jennings was was a bit incredulous and. Um, you know, Chief Lester was like, yeah, zero, uh, zero complaints. So some things wrong here because the um, number of community um, negative remarks about military equipment was pretty overwhelming. And so there's a non-fit here. Um, there's something missing. Now, I understand OPSA doesn't have a huge budget and is hiring people and obviously outreach to the community is part and parcel of generating good complaints that is to say people don't know how to complain about something like the rook showing up in their neighborhood 
And so it's that kind of community contact that's going to be necessary to actually uh, bring to light complaints if they're not even being made in the first place. But my, my other question is, are they being made but being miscategorized? And so the police can say, well, we don't have any, we don't have any complaints in, in, to, to report in the MEU. So just, just a, uh, a quick item there. Um, and now I'll do something completely off the top of my head, but I, I, I would like you to all to think about this. The, you guys are a review commission in a democratic polity. And it seems to me that if the police understood the value of having you in place, they would be foolish not to understand that they really ought to be working with you. Okay, a little story. I walked into the July 29th MEU um, community meeting and I felt very uncomfortable. There was all these police officers around. Then I saw Keon and I sat down. If I hadn't seen Keon, I might've just walked out. In other words, what the commission does besides generating criticisms for the police is to give the police an access to communities that would otherwise be closed to them. Do they want the Citadel model of policing where they stand off on a hill in a, in a closed um, system where uh, they are not welcome into community meetings? It, you guys provide a bridge which is sorely missing otherwise uh, and undermines the democratic relationship between law enforcement and the people. And I think if, if that could be articulated, I'm not saying it's magic and it'll all you know, work out, you just need to find the right ideology, but this is a point that has to be put in their face. They are much worse off in a city where we don't have a key on sitting there making me feel comfortable and making me feel like, yeah, I better sit down and he's taking this seriously, so I'm gonna take it seriously and this can't be a waste of time because he's sitting here. And this must be real. It can't be a BS situation. So um, I, I, it's, it's hard to, to see and hear your frustration and I totally support you guys and I, I know how frustrating it is. I don't wanna call that into question. I just wanna say there's another, there's another arrow in the quiver that you hold and that is to underline the police interest in a democratic society of having access to communities that otherwise would be closed to them. That's what you're giving them, which isn't to say that then you're excusing all the behavior, but, but without that, it's a completely different relationship with the community and they should be held accountable for frittering away those crucial, crucial services that you provide. All right, um, hang in there folks. Thank you for the Thank you for the comments and for continuing to participate with us. So we are now with that we are going to adjourn, but I want to make sure that we do remember that it 9/11 and a lot of the men and women that did give our, their lives in service. And that is and, and I think that is a good reminder and I, I think especially following what Anne Marie was talking about there's it, Anybody who actually works for government wants to serve. I truly believe that they want to serve and kind of want to give back to their community. I think that's true for many of the officers at MPD, and I think 9-11 is a good reminder of the, some of the sacrifices that they have to do and will, are willing to do. Um, so I think it is, it is important for us to remember that. Sometimes I think we can kind of get 
stuck in, in some of the smaller moments, but I think when our communities come together, when there is a disaster and they, you know, are the men and women that serve step up, I think it's a good reminder of what service can look like and, ben and basically service to the community. So thank you, Commissioner Guerrero, for bringing us back and remember, like having us remember. With that, thank you everyone, meeting adjourned. <laughs>